So we've been preaching on Matthew 9, and we're going to stay on Matthew 9. And so I'm hoping what I am preaching today and bringing forth, I'm going to move this so that when I look at you guys, I don't see a microphone. Um, uh, I'm hoping that what I am bringing today will answer a question that uh, that some of you have had, hopefully maybe many of you have had, because I'm preaching on the unpardonable sin. The unpardonable sin. It's, it's mentioned uh, throughout the Gospels. Um, and and so in Matthew 9, 34, uh, it talks about it. And we're also going to jump ahead to Matthew 12. We're going to see uh, Mark's recounting of part of this in Mark chapter 3. Um, but I'm very, very excited to hopefully shed some light on on what we as the church have coined and dubbed the unpardonable sin. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come together as your people. And we're here for you. That's it. We are here for you. We're here to connect with you, to hear from you, to worship you, to stand together as your people uh, and celebrate you. Holy Spirit, right now is an act of my will. I just yield to you and I say, have your way. Let it be you, O oh Lord, that's heard and not me. And do that awesome thing that you do, which you just take this word and just go straight to our heart, where it seems as if each one of us is being preached to. Lord, let us not leave here the same as we walked in. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to read uh, Matthew uh, 9, 33 and 34. Um, Staying in our series in Matthew 9. So Jesus cast out the demon and the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed. Nothing like this has ever happened in Israel, they exclaimed. Just to give you a little bit of backstory, uh, last week we saw that there was a mute man that they brought to Jesus. This is after he had healed the blind men who had stalked him into his house. And then they brought a mute man to him and he cast out the demon and the man spoke and the, the people were amazed. Nothing like this has ever happened in Israel, they exclaimed. Verse 34. But the Pharisee said, he can cast out demons because he is empowered by the prince of demons. He casts out demons by the power of demons. In other translations, in other books, it says, he casts out demons by the power of Beelzebub. What a horrible, despicable, appalling thing to say. We can't just dismiss this as yet another rude thing said by the Pharisees. This is absolutely the most despicable thing they could have said. These are people that have looked and that have seen the miracles, that have seen the power of God. And their response is, he does it by the power of Satan. It's absolutely appalling. What could Jesus have done to make them so furious? What could Jesus have done to have made them so mad that this was their response? We see throughout the book of chapter 9, Matthew 9, that he took it upon himself to forgive sin. That made him mad. He took it upon himself to to have those around him celebrate and, and they, they didn't fast for this period. They weren't fasting. That made them irritated. 
irritated, not furious, irritated. He healed people. He touched people. He raised a little girl from the debt. He healed blind men. And then he cast out demons. What about these things made the Pharisees so furious? You know, it doesn't quite add up. We see that that the people, you know, they cast their adoration upon Jesus. They cast their awe and amazement upon Jesus. And so you, know, you got to figure that the jealousy, you know, was was in the mix, but nothing that could be justified. And in, in being in being that calculated and that rude and that mean. There's an overflow of malice, deception, manipulation, and hatred that comes to Jesus in these words. We've read these words before, and, and some, sometimes we just kind of skip past it and go, you know, there's nice people and there's rude people. And Jesus is one of the nice ones, and the Pharisees are rude, and they're, you know, they're jerks, and we just kind of dismiss it. But this retelling is so important that it's listed twice in Matthew. It's listed in Matthew 9 and then Matthew 12. And then we see it in the other Gospels as well. So I want to skip ahead to uh, Matthew 12. We're going to read 22 through 37. So I've got a, a, a few verses I want to read here. Um, and then we're going to just sit and talk about it for a while. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed and asked, Could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. And if I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too. So they will condemn you for what you have said. Which That's an interesting point. He's talking to the Pharisees. They cast out demons as well. But the indictment that they bring is against Jesus, not against the act of casting out demons. But specifically, this attack against Jesus. But if I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. This is why we refer to this as the unpardonable sin. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. A tree is identified by its fruit. This is very important. Let's let's not miss this. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, 
its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. This is this is powerful stuff. This is this is a pretty tough word. Jesus talked about the unforgivable sin. And I tell you every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Question. You don't have to raise your hand. If you want to raise your hand, you can. You've got the liberty to either... to do both. Anybody in this room... Has anybody ever made fun of the Holy Spirit or His gifts or the manifestations of His power. It could be making fun of tongues or it could be uh, making fun of you know, the overwhelming power and someone falling out in the Spirit or it could be... Has anybody... And, and, and notice, this is not just demonstration. I, anybody, has anybody ever made fun of the Holy Spirit, His gifts, those things? Okay, Question. Did you repent of those things? Ask the Lord to forgive you of these things. Let Him renew your mind and come into the knowledge of the truth of these things. Anybody? My hand's going back up. And then, did God forgive us? Did He forgive us? Absolutely, He forgave us. Why do I say that? Why do I point this out? Because in the church, when we've looked at this, we've we've made this unpardonable sin something that's much, much, much more narrow that minimizes the work of Jesus Christ and says He can forgive everything except for this. And, and we've, put, we've put specific acts into it without looking at context, without looking at everything involved. Have I, have I got any attention yet? Have I piqued any interest this is good. I think my own interest. I'm interested. Merely making fun of the Holy Spirit, merely making fun of these things is not the unpardonable sin. It's not the unpardonable sin. If it was, that's right. Lord, hold on a second. Let's just take a Lord, the door. That's not that's not the unpardonable sin. If it was, then there's a lot of us in this room that would that would be in trouble. If you're worried, well, let me ask: Has anybody ever worried about committing the unpardonable sin? Has anyone at any time in their life said, "Lord, have I committed the unpardonable sin?" Okay. If you have worried that you have committed the unpardonable sin, I want to set your minds at ease right now. The fact that you've worried about it, you haven't committed it. The fact that you have worried about it, I can set your mind at ease. You have not committed it. 
Because we'll see here in a moment, the unpardonable sin is something so much deeper than a single act or a, a single set of acts or a dozen acts. It is a lifestyle of hardening to the point where that we refuse to acknowledge the power of God. We refuse to acknowledge the power of the Holy Spirit and we so turn against it that when we are faced with the work of God right in front of us, we still reject it. That is the unpardonable sin. Those who might be guilty of this sin wouldn't care. They wouldn't be worried about it. Because they wouldn't have remorse or regret or distress over the possibility. I mean, let's, let's face it. This is a sobering teaching. This is sobering. Everything that Jesus says here in this Jesus, this is, this is the Son of Man speaking. And it's serious and it's sobering. So let's let's put some context to this. Who was Jesus speaking to? When we're reading his word, it's good to say, okay, who's he addressing? Who's he speaking to? What's going on? Who is Jesus speaking to when when he has this whole powerful message? Who is he addressing specifically? The Pharisees. He is addressing the Pharisees. He is addressing the religious leaders. He's not addressing the crowds. He is not addressing the masses. He is not addressing those who have come to see a miracle. He is not addressing those who are saying, could this be the son of David? He is not addressing any of them. He is addressing the religious leaders. He is addressing the Pharisees. They had personally witnessed his miracles. Right there in front of them, they see blind men healed, mute speaking, demons cast out. They're witnessing these events. They're seeing these things. And their words, folks, don't don't buy into it. This is the power of Satan casting out Satan. Even though they themselves believe in the ministries of healing, believe in the ministries of casting out demons, their malice towards Jesus was so great that their efforts to turn the crowds and sway the crowds and say, what you saw you didn't see. Dismiss what you saw. Dismiss this power. It's being done so by the power of the devil. Rather than acknowledging the obvious fact that Jesus was exercising divine powers, the Pharisees were so spiritually depraved, they attributed his power to Satan. Their problem was not blind ignorance. And there's many times in sin we're guilty of ignorance. We just do things ignorantly. I like to challenge friends and believers and say let's not be a thoughtless people let's give thought to what we do but you know what even when we're being thoughtful of our life and our acts there's times we still sin thoughtlessly and there's times we still sin ignorantly this was not the case with the Pharisees but it was willful rejection it was deliberate refusal to believe even though knowing the truth was right in front of them this is what Jesus called the unforgivable sin. If we can pull up Mark chapter 3, 28 and 29. 
Jesus gave strong warning in these verses to the people whose hard hardness had placed them on the brink of disaster. So Mark 3, So I tell you the truth, all the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven of them. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. He is guilty of an eternal sin. That's when we need to be worried. Is when our sin is so consistent and so repetitive and so willfully rejecting of His love and power that He's placed right in front of us that it's described here as being an, an eternal sin. We know that, that there's an eternity, that when we die, there's, there's heaven or hell. So what Mark's talking about, I mean, it can't be something that takes place after we've died, right? He's talking about this eternal sin, this consistent, repetitive rejection of the power of God. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is not just a one-time offense, but an ongoing rebellion. Now, I want to get up here and strongly encourage and admonish everybody. If, If you're not certain of things of the Holy Spirit, it is best to ask some questions or to bite your tongue when you've got a real witty, (laughs) funny criticism lined up. Because I'm not going to stand up here and dismiss Jesus. He's not real happy with that. And the, the danger in that is it could lead to that willful rejecting. But when we talk about the unpardonable sin, we're talking about something that is so continuous and so hard-hearted. As Jesus is sitting there talking to the Pharisees, he goes, good trees bear good fruits and you guys are, you're snakes. You're horrible, horrible people. Good Good tree, good fruit. Evil tree, evil fruit. And he just, how could you stand there and say that? A house divided against itself will fall. And then I love, I mean, Jesus is so cool. I'm serious. If we get into the word, Jesus is so cool. Because he's like, you know, who would take on, you know, the enemy? Who would take on Satan unless they know that they could just absolutely beat the tar out of him, which is what I'm going to do. You know, and, and he proclaims, that's exactly what's going to take place. I am stronger. Therefore, that's what I did. I went into his house and I took what was his and I said, be gone. And he demonstrated his power over the demonic. Power which, by the way, we have. Authority which we walk in. If you're a Christian, from this day, don't don't worry about whether or not you've committed the unpardonable sin because if you've trusted your, your life in Christ, you haven't. And it's not a worry, it's not a concern. So where's the concern? The concern is that there's people that are headed that direction that whose hearts get so hardened that they're heading there and I believe God has put those people in our lives 
He's put those people in our lives so that we can be a light. That, that we can demonstrate to them the power of Jesus and say, I know you didn't believe it before, but what about this time? Isn't he good? Let, let, me, let me show you some more how he's good. Let me tell you some more how he's good. If, if you're here tonight and you and you've felt a hardening and you're like, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be in the danger zone. I don't want to be in that place where that my heart might get so hardened that I reject his truth when it's right in front of me. If you are here tonight and you are concerned about that, then you know what? Let's pray. I'd love to, to pray with you. And in praying together, we'll repent. Repent is a, is a wonderful word. Repentance is a wonderful gift. Repentance isn't a bad thing or a heavy-handed thing. Repentance means rethink. We go, Lord, I've thought this way, and I see the way you think. Lord, this is the way you think, and this is where I was thinking. So, Lord, I rethink, and I agree with you. That's repentance. His love is real. His power is real. If you need to see a demonstration of His power, ask Him and He'll give it. Ask Him and and have your eyes wide open. And I want to encourage us. In asking, I'd like to encourage us not to put limits on, on the ways we ask. Lord, if you are real, then as I drop this, I ask that, what, I mean, if I drop that, my wife would be very upset with me because my iPad would break and I wouldn't get another one. I'd be flipping through my notes like in the old days. <laughs> if we're hungry to see the power of God, God has placed that hunger in us to see his glory, to see his power. And that's not a selfish act. And that's not, that's, I don't even think it's a cynical act. At times we're like, man, I, you know, I'm a sinful generation looking for a sign. You know, know what? You're hungry for God and you're seeking Him and God wants to reveal His faithfulness. He says, Lord, show me. Or let me see your power. If you are here and you are sick, we believe that God is bigger than your sickness and that the Word shows us that we are commanded to heal the sick. Not to pray for the sick, to heal the sick, to lay hands on them and that they will be healed. The, what's interesting is I've, I've prayed for plenty of people, laid hands on plenty of people. Some get healed, some don't. Well, what's the reason? Because I'm not God. And there, I don't have all the answers. But I know this much. I've seen people get healed and I ain't stopping praying for them. I've seen people healed, so there's no way I'm going to stop. And there's no way I'm going to doubt him when I don't see it take place right there. I'm just going to keep on believing and keep on trusting. And friends, that's what we do. When, when difficulties come our way, those are times where our faith can be shaken and those are also times where our faith can be strengthened. And we look to Jesus. You know, I've loved what what has come through this study of Matthew 9. 
and you know the opportunity just to shed little lights. You know what, guys? I'm not I'm not a theologian. I'm just a man that loves spending time with God, and I think that when we ask Him to make His Word come alive to us, He does. And this is one of those things that's hotly debated. You might come across the people that go, I totally disagree with everything that was said. If you badmouth the Holy Spirit in tongues, you've committed the unforgivable sin and you're going to hell. I don't, I don't believe that because that's not the character of Christ. And that's not the heart of our Father. But that said, church, let's open our hearts to the fullness of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. How cool is it that when Jesus left, after he died and rose from the grave... And he sat for 40 days walking among people and his disciples and eating with them and teaching them. And and he says, hey, I'm going to leave soon. And it's better that I go. Because when I go, then the Father will send the Holy Spirit who will guide you into all truth. It's better that I go. Doesn't make any sense to me because Jesus is awesome. But it was Jesus' words that say, it's better that I go. It's better that you have the Holy Spirit here with you. And that's what we have. We have the Holy Spirit here with us, walking with us, guiding us, empowering us to do His work, baptizing us to do His work. It's one of those teachings that I I don't imagine that there might not be anyone in this room that is in that hard-hearted place. I imagine most of us are not. But it's a good teaching to have. It's a good teaching to know. It's a good teaching to be able to share. Why? Because the message of this is the grace of Jesus Christ.